I shall speak to you frankly and honestly. Some of you may not agree fully with everything I say. Thank God in this blessed land we can still speak our convictions without fear. I have been in nations where this blessed privilege is no longer enjoyed. I am not here to tickle your ears, to entertain you. I will talk to you as one who loves this great nation. The message I bring is not a happy one, but it is the truth. And time is always on the side of truth. Welcome to the TJ Podcast, the unofficial podcast of Deseret Nation and the official podcast for TiankumsJavelin.com. This podcast and Tiankum's Javelin are a part of the Radio Free Deseret Media Network. I'm Dustin M. Turner, PhD. You know me as Dustin M. Turner, PhD. I've got a special guest on with me today. Uh, once again, uh, my cohort, JP, he's out for the week, but I've got our beloved EBP. Uh, he goes by at St. John 724 on Twitter. That's correct. It's the former Mormon, Mormon Libs LMAO, right? <laughs> also correct. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to call you St. John. Uh, I refuse. So I'll just call you John. How are you doing? All right, that works. Good. So you ready to get this rolling? I am ready. Ready as I'll ever be. Excellent, excellent. So uh, today we're going to cover a different number of topics. Um, Biggest thing is we've got a bunch of questions. So I think we're going to make this a, a big listener question type of show. And also with with the last couple of weeks, I've kind of asked our guests, you know, um, you know who they are, and why why in the world do you hang out with hooligans like like us? That's a great question. Yeah. What what? Well, a lot of people I've seen uh, that that talk about, oh well, I became familiar with Desnat, quote unquote, through, and I've I've seen a lot of them say. Well, it was because of EBP. Now we call him EBP because his his Twitter name is Elders Benson and Packer. Why did he choose that name? Well, uh, growing up, my two favorite general authorities were President Benson and President Packer, um, both doctrinally and just who they are as people and the things that they accomplished. I just always admired both of them quite a bit. Uh, I'm from Idaho. And uh, that's that's one of the reasons I picked President Benson as well. Good old Idaho boy. Oh yeah, see, I do actually remember him. Uh, he he's one of the few prophets that are not buried in the Salt Lake uh, Cemetery. Um, I remember watching his funeral, and and they have him buried to close to what my former hometown was. He's buried in Cache Valley, uh, but on the Idaho side, Love in it. in Whitney. So um, yeah one of one of the the great um obviously modern prophets uh top 16 definitely (laughs) (laughs) he made the cut (laughs) yeah he's a renegade i I, you know you read some of his stuff from the 60s and 70s and early 80s and it's just spectacular he he was great it's it's too bad his health failed him at the end yeah, I mean, that's something that I remember uh, in, in primary. Um, you're probably a little bit older than I am, but um, when I was in primary, we'd see his picture on the wall. Yeah. But I never remember seeing him in conference. I never remember seeing him speak um, in person, live, right? And so it was kind of, for me, uh, an interesting experience. You know, when he died, I didn't really know what to feel. Right. And I was mm-hmm. actually kind of excited for a new prophet where, you know, oh, this is a person that I know 
um, Howard W. Hunter lasted about nine months. Um, but, you know, for a lot of reasons, Gordon B. Hinckley, um, for kids my generation, and also, you know, numerous, uh, countless uh, incoming converts, you know, consider Gordon B. Hinckley their, their prophet or their first prophet, right? Um, just for the reasons he, he covered for Spencer W. Kimball and, and Ezra Taft Benson while they were sick and um, present a lot of times. It's, it's interesting. If you look back, you know, just that time in church history, the amount of time that, you know, I, I hate to say this, but President Hinckley basically ran the church for a long, long time prior to becoming the president of the church himself. Hey, I mean, I, they, you know, many people have said that they, they've never known a better executive, mm-hmm. you know, in the church or or in the private sector like Gordon B. Hinckley. And yeah, I feel the same way. He, he was amazing. Everybody well, loved it. Yeah, this conversation's already gone a different place than I'd even planned. Um, it was really funny when when I was a kid and I watched uh, Gordon B. Hinckley. It felt like you could feel a complete change in his countenance. You'd seen him for years and years and years conduct general conference, but the moment he became prophet and had the had the mantle of prophet sure. uh, bestowed upon him, it was completely different. And yeah. um, it just, his energy level kind of, he took it to another level. Um, obviously, I think one of the more memorable uh, pieces of, of his time was when he went on Larry King Live, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And did those interviews. Um, somebody had posted those interviews, I think this week on social media, which kind of reminded me of um, President Hinckley. Again, just some really good memories. Um, there's a couple of quotes from there that uh, I use all the time, right? Yeah. Especially when we're talking about, you know, defending the church online or or whatnot. Do you remember when he, uh, Larry King asked Gordon B. Hinckley, he said, well, you don't, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't do this, you don't do that. I remember the last thing he said, you don't drink caffeine. And and President Hinckley said, yes, yes, yes. It's like the old yes meme, right? Right. And at the very end, he said, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> yeah. Right. You remember that? Oh, yeah. It was great. President Hinckley, it's funny because, you know, I try to emulate him a lot in some of the things I do. I think he was a master at disagreeing with people and having people disagree with him. But at the end of the day, they'd say, you know what? I disagree with everything that guy believes in, but he's a great guy. Right. You right. Never heard anybody say anything bad about President Hinckley. And it was, he was just a, a, a man of the people, a Renaissance man, a, a man of God. He was great. Great. Yeah. The, the church uh, experienced great growth um, under President Hinckley. And so, yeah, we've completely gone off a topic. We were talking <laughs> about President Benson. So, <laughs> So what is it, uh, EBP, we'll just, uh, John, St. John, whatever we go by, what is it that, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people say, well, I got into Desnap because I saw EBP out there. And it's really funny, I don't really see you use the, the hashtag very often, but a lot of people associate you with the hashtag. But really, you kind of came a little bit later than some of the other guys. Uh, I guess. So what, what was it that brought you onto Twitter or got you well, started doing what you do? I, I started, I, let's see, it was August. In August, it'll be two years. So I, I had a three years, I think, right? Oh, two I years. Just two. Yeah. Wow. Two. Yeah. You yeah. are a newbie. I know. So I, I had a personal account, uh, on Twitter that I followed. It was actually uh, J. Reuben Clark. I had a buddy that followed him and, and I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I like, you know, President Clark. I'm going to follow this guy. And I thought he was witty and funny and had a lot of good takes. And, and you know, I mean, he talked about the church and talked about different things. I just agreed a lot with some of the things he said. And, uh, you know, my, my other account is mostly just college football and, and that kind of stuff is pretty much what it was based on. And so I, you know, made an account to see what, uh, 
an LDS-based or Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints-based Twitter account would be like. And, um, you know, followed J. Reuben Clark and, and, and then you and, you know, uh, Adam's first account. You know, I followed that. Most of the guys that had a million followers, I mean, I think you had like 10,000 followers or whatever. So I'd see your tweets all the time. And Adam's had a big account that he used to use. And I just, uh, you know, just kind of evolved and talked to guys. And a lot of us were like-minded and kind of in the same stage of life. Mm -hmm. And it was good to have somebody that, or have a group of people that, you know, weren't out there making apologies for every piece of church doctrine to the world. And were willing to stand up and say, you know, this stuff on by common consent isn't right. This isn't what the church believes. You know, these takes from, you know, the hashtag Twitter stake are garbage, most of them. And it just was nice to have somebody in there. And, you know, I, I tend to be pretty bold in just about everything I do. So it was nice to have folks to commiserate with and talk with and um, kind of bounce ideas back and forth and retweet, retweet each other and comment. And yeah, then, you know, Desnat was kind of born you know, with JP and, and you and, and me. You know, I think it was about that time roughly when you started seeing it, you know, about right. two years ago. Right. And um, at least when I started seeing it and I said, yeah, let's hitch my wagon to that. You know, one thing you asked is, is, is when I use the hashtag and when I don't, um, oftentimes I strategically actually don't use it because I want the message to be to people that have the hashtag blocked or use the block list. Sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. And that's my main motivation is because I'd like to you know, most of the people that use the hashtag Desnat agree with most of the stuff I say. We're all on the same team already, and I'd like to get some more people on our team. Right. Right. I understand that. So um, I've, I've actually been on Twitter since 2009. I mean, a long time. I was on for a long time. And I remember, obviously, uh, seeing by common consent. And I it was funny. I never knew whether they were good, good, you know, pro or, or anti-church. And it kept on saying, well, I'd go back to their account and I'd look back and I'd say, are they, are they for the church or are they against it? And I could never really discern what was going on. I'm like, well, it's kind of a church title. Yeah. Right. They've got church-based mm -hmm. tweets. I, I think they're members. Right. And, and in the <laughs> end, you're like, you're, you're thinking, well, I guess, is that a good place to be? Right is that a good place to be where people are wondering, you know, where you stand. Right. And I never really, a couple of times I, I questioned what they were saying, but I didn't really mix it up a whole lot. Right. And, and the nice thing about Desnat is, you know, cause you felt like you were alone, mm -hmm. you know, especially in the early days. I mean, I know that um, Jay Ruben Clark, I think he's been on since 2016. So I was on at least five, six, seven years earlier than, than most of the guys, right? So if yeah, I were yeah. to go in, you know, I'm going in alone. <laughs> and, right, right. and there's, you know, and I, and I had my share of disagreements and, and this and that. And, you know, I, I didn't keep my mouth shut all the time, but it was a completely different environment, right? And yeah. you're like, in, in a way, I was kind of bewildered. I'm like, is this really what people think? Is this a joke? You know, yeah, uh, I, sure. I couldn't imagine that this was real. And, and it wasn't until, you know, obviously uh, people that a lot more bold than I am, to be honest, um, like JP and, and JRC, they come around and, and, and they start saying, you know what, this isn't right. And, and there's a little bit of pushback and you're like, man, I've been waiting why why wasn't I doing this before right yeah you know? sure because I I think you're just you're bewildered and, and you don't do anything um and they just you're almost stunned like right you're it's almost stunning. stunned yeah you it's think, stunning these people say they're members of the church and they say stuff like this are you kidding me right it's, right it, you're the initial shock of the first three months I was on Twitter are, are unforgettable to me 
unforgettable. I, I was just floored. And when I became, you know, I don't know if you want to call it radicalized or bold or just flat out pissed off was when I saw how people would treat uh, Adam Eberts. Right. I, I, it really, really fired me up. I mean, there were people that would take his picture and yep, you know, Photoshop I saw that it on temple clothes and all kinds of just garbage, threaten his job. And I just thought, man, this is a war and this is a battle. And I'm more than happy to pick up my gun and run to the front of the line. Let's do right. it. So right. here we are. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I remember I followed you really early when you were when you first came on um but but as far as like uh is this a because i saw gez nat and and i associated it with nationalism like a lot of people do right mm -hmm. and i'm like uh, i don't know if i if that's something i'm you know completely agreeing with or whatnot but it was it was adam for me it was adam and i said okay if he's in this if if he if you know if he's all in then then I'm all in. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he's, he's a, a guy, brave soul. He was right. out there throwing punches by himself for a long time. Oh well, yeah, I yeah. There's no doubt about that. I I saw what he was doing in September. It was September. It was right before conference. I yeah. saw him and then and then during conference, and I'm like, okay. I said, you know, I I'm, I made my first meme uh, that conference. <laughs> yeah. I I took I I think my name ended up being in a in a a blog where they said the most insensitive tweets during conference right and, I love and they, it. they I screen love tagged it. my my tweet um and yeah it was only like a week or two after I'd even noticed Adam right but because of somebody like him it was like oh well I've been here for years why haven't I been doing this you know yeah um, light kind of turned on you're like okay so that that's the utility I think of the hashtag is is more more than anything people are seeing oh wait I'm not at this on my own you know this isn't you know right. uh, a lonely world out there so um, something that's kind of uh, interesting about you that I know that you do you don't block anybody on, on social media um, I do not two yeah. years ago my block list was the same as you I hadn't I, I didn't block anybody um, after they suspended my last account well, the one that you're talking about I had it for 10 years I had about 9,500 followers Jeez. and I said I said okay they're coming after me I've got to be um, a little bit more liberal with with the block button if I think that somebody's going to come after me and and um, and you know cause you know, a deletion of my account um, I, I've preemptively blocked a lot of people and then yeah I don't I don't take a lot of garbage like I used to it's like yeah. it's not it has nothing to do with an echo chamber it has to do with, you know, these people, like, they know my name, you know, I'm not, I'm not anonymous, right? right. Um, they know my name, they know where I live, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm a lot more protective than I used to be. Um, and, and so I use the block button a lot more. Um, but you, I, I've seen a lot of, a lot of people, you're, you're, you're talking about evangelizing on, on Twitter, meaning you want your message to get to people that you know we can't reach and and so a lot of that has to do with either not using the tag strategically or you're not blocking people that you have quite frankly have blocked us a million years ago right <laughs> want to talk yeah, exactly well I, I just for me i'm pretty anonymous you know i mean i draw pants and stuff and I've had a few people DM me and say, hey, is this you? And they were right. So, but but yeah, I, I, I'm anonymous. I don't show my face. I, I talk about my family, wife, kids, that kind of stuff. And you can put two and two together. I don't make a secret of where I live. Um, and, and a big reason of why I don't block anybody is, is because of that. Um, you know, I've had my fair share of threats and that kind of stuff come through. I mean, I had somebody ask me where my newborn baby was one night. And you know what? It was a pretty big deal. I took, I took offense at it, but actually didn't block them. You know, I mean, they, their account was suspended. 
but anyway, you know, I, I, if I wasn't anonymous, I would probably block people. I, I think I would just for the safety of my family, mm-hmm. you know, but everybody's got to do what they're comfortable with. And yeah. I, I feel like if I'm going to stay anonymous, I'm more than happy to talk to whoever about whatever. There's a lot of cases in the scriptures where people that were completely anti and hated God came back because one person got through to them. And I've had a number of people that I, I feel like I've, I've helped out. So it's been, I mean, it works for me. Excellent. Let's go on to the next portion of the the program. Uh, first of all, just want to give a shout out to our listeners. If you could uh, rate and review us on, on the podcast, uh, app of your choosing however you're listening listening to us um, make sure to like us on facebook at tiankum's javelin uh, follow us on twitter at the tj podcast um, i'm at the dmt 1232 and um, this is uh, evp and and you can find him at saint john 724 he's our guest this week Did you pick a tweet of the week this week? Uh, no, not that I sent you. Okay. I've, I've got one though. Yeah. I'll have to find it. All right. You find it. You, you right. give us a tweet. I'm going to go first. Um, it's only going to take me two seconds. Um, shout out to Haas. Uh, his handle is at uh, Nied Diaz on twitter and uh his tweet was four words and you know what that tweet is and we all appreciated it <laughs> <laughs> that guy too funny what did uh, have have you uh what, what have your you know uh interactions with haas online been like i, I like haas a lot you know I, I realize he's not everybody's cup of tea and but the best thing about it is he realizes he's not everybody's cup of tea which is great you know i the thing about haas and the thing i could say about a number of uh how do we put this correctly people that may not be real mainstream type of follows is i never question where his heart is right. you know i think that i think that we all have places where we fall short we all have places where our messages have holes. We're all a little rough around the edges and certain things. But, you know, I, I know that guy loves God. When you ask Koss, you know, why does this person have issue with this? His answer is usually because they don't love God. I, I know Haas loves God, and it manifests itself in different ways. And some of those ways people may take offense to. But he's very blunt. I, I like it. I, I like Haas. I enjoy him immensely. Yeah, I've missed his uh, I missed his program the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's taken a little break too, I think. So uh, hurry up and get uh, get back online, Haas. We need we need to see your masked face <laughs> and multiple knives, buddy. His comic relief. He's he's funny, man. Uh, here's a good one. She'll like this. This is somebody that doesn't get called out. All right, here let, let's hear it. All right, this is from at Evie Overboard. Okay. You know who that is? is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. This was uh, on the 23rd of April, so it has been a while. But uh, she got seven retweets and 46 likes and cracked me up. She said, only ugly girls hate patriarchy. Hashtag does that. <laughs> so shout out to her. I. Uh, I laughed quite a bit at that one. That was pretty great. And only fat girls don't get married, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome. All right. So we're going to go straight to the listener questions. There's quite a few that we've got here. All right. And we'll kind of run down them. There's, there's some interesting questions we got this week. So uh we'll start with one that's kind of in your wheelhouse uh this is from uh at elder snoop um he's one of your buddies right yep good old danny boy in virginia 
that's uh so this is his 18 millionth uh alt account correct it is <laughs> all right this is, this is the american account not the south african german or, or denmark account and, and it's about the fifth iteration of his american so it says if the church leadership put you in charge at byu temporarily what would you do my gosh that's a that's a great question um and, and i'll tread lightly here because of the university and who's in charge of it but if i was just asked to go in and do some things i would make some wholesale changes um you know speaking I personally didn't go to, to BYU for the record. I went to Rick's college when President Bednar was there and uh, went through that transition when it became BYU-Idaho. So I spent a year when it was Rick's and a year as BYU-Idaho. Um, but it was a great experience for me and then I finished up at Boise State. But with that all being said, if, if you know, to answer his question, um, the first thing that I would do is I would go in and I would take all of the people in the university and I would sit down and interview them very strictly and ask them in no uncertain terms where they stand personally in relationship to the church and the mission of the church and the doctrines of the church, and the teachings of the church and what they had issue with. And I would not allow anybody to teach at BYU that wasn't fully on board with every program in the church. So if they had issue, I don't care how much tenure they have, I don't care who they are, I don't care what department they are in, they would get tossed. The second thing I would do is eliminate all of the degrees that aren't necessary. And this is just a kind of a, you know, a comment on academia in general. Yeah, that I would give more like a, that sounds like more of a general university take rather than a BYU take, right? Exactly. But I would get rid of every degree that wasn't, that wasn't necessary because I don't believe it supports the mission of the church either. And I think based on what a lot of people have told me is a lot of the issues with BYU come from a select number of the colleges. Uh, humanities being a big one. Um, but I would get rid of anything that wasn't necessary to building the kingdom. And if the church I, I is going to be humanities major, calm down. <laughs> but I, well, I'm, I, I went, I'm sorry. You, you made to, it out alive. Well, I went to Utah State. So oh, there you go. There uh, you go. You know, obviously, uh, graduating from Institute at Utah State is equivalent to 18 BYU degrees. <laughs> I think you can just go right in and start teaching in the religion department, can't you? Let's do it. Let's. <laughs> you know, so that would be that would be one of the things I would do. Attending BYU, because of the supplemented tithing, you know, the tithing that supplements tuition and helps pay people, it's, it's, I believe it should be a privilege to go there. And I believe it should be churning out some of the finest members of the church. And I don't think it's doing that. I would make wholesale changes in the Maxwell Institute, um, you know, starting at the top and filtering my way through that. Uh, I believe the Maxwell Institute has a place and I believe Elder Maxwell would be very disappointed with some of the, some of the product that we're seeing out of the Maxwell Institute right now. That was a nice, that was a nice word that you used, product. I like that. <laughs> well, it's, it's not talking, most of it. So I, I, yeah, I don't know what to call it without using a curse word. Very good. <laughs> Let me go to the next one. What would you do? I answer it from I want to hear it from you. Um Well, I I really, you know, I don't know what to do with with BYU. I mean, to to be honest, um I I have faith that the brethren know what's going on there. Um and a lot of times 
we we just don't have faith in the Lord's timing, right? Right. Um, so he's gonna, you know, he's gonna give you know these professors or students or or whatnot, you know, the the most rope that he can. You know, us from the outside will look in and and say, you know, what's going on or why why aren't things changing or or you know why is all this stuff going on at BYU and and you know what if if we truly do have faith in the lord um we've got to trust in his timing and and so i've kind of not it's not that i've stopped worrying about it but i'm really trying to just really place my faith in in the lord and his servants and and know that you know they know what's going on and he's going to tell them when the time is right you know to if if you know such a change needs to be made you know, and the professors or, you know, leadership or whatnot. Um, I, I'm sure that they know exactly what's going on. The thing that frustrates me, I think one of the things that frustrates me the most with BYU, not to, to dwell on this too long, but the fact that this is the deal, that the world sees BYU as the church. Anybody right. that that's not, you know, on the inside like you and I sees BYU as the church. So when BYU makes national news saying that homosexual dating on campus is okay, the national message is the church says that homosexual dating is okay. Right. Right? That's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And the problem with that, though, too, is you and I realize there's an enormous difference, and it was a just an absolute train wreck of a PR nightmare that happened in Provo. But the problem, too, is that, I hate to say this, but probably 75% of our own members think that BYU is the church. Right. And I wish that wasn't the case, and it's clearly not. But when that happened, I mean, imagine, I, I'm not the bishop, thank goodness, but I can't even imagine sitting with a teenager during that time that deals with same-sex attraction saying, well, I can appreciate what you're saying, Bishop, but I'm planning on going to BYU, and clearly it's okay there, so pound sand. And if you're the bishop, what would you say? Well, I mean, there were there were faithful members, you know, members uh, on, uh, you know, social media I saw. They said, well, I guess is this a small step in the direction towards, you know, complete and, and utter uh, acceptance you know of of homosexual relationships right they thought right. why you doing this was okay one more step in that direction you know mm -hmm. and and you know and i totally get why they thought that right i mean i and i feel i i feel you know i during that whole thing i could i could talk about this forever but but during the whole thing you know the the students that that are homosexual at byu have every right to have been furious. They were done wrong. They they were told one thing and treated poorly. Now, does it merit protests and all of that garbage? No. But they were straight up lied to by administrators that had an agenda in the honor code office. There is the, no the, doubt in my mind. Well, not only that had an agenda, but they're the ones that say that they have their best interest in mind, right? Exactly. The ones that are supposedly allies are on their side right? They're the ones that keep on giving them this false hope or this, you know, oh, well, you know what, you're being wronged and we're going to do everything we can to make it right, you know? And, and Pro it, Professor it, Brow, the long foretold day of homosexual dating that I've been praying for has now come true. And if you don't believe it, you don't have a testimony. Oh no! Get you know, out of here, dude! Hey, hey, hey! You you talk like that. He's gonna say that it was you that threatened him. <laughs> All the way from Boise. <laughs> Watch your back, bro. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. My gosh. We we cover that quite a bit. Uh, I think it's the first couple of weeks of our podcast. So. Yeah, but, Maxwell Institute, the Honor Code Office. You know, numerous administrators, numerous colleges. If I was in charge, there would be wholesale changes. And it's probably a good thing that I'm not because nobody's you know, going to argue with you. Yeah, I have a very heavy hand when it comes to that kind of stuff.
All right, so here's one from at the Jolly Ewok, uh, E-W-O-K. Great account. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a newer account. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of like what's going on uh, with him or her. I'm going to assume it's a he. Uh, Get those pronouns right there, Turner. Right. Uh, <laughs> favorite anti-LDS talking point to dunk on and why? Oof, man. Favorite anti-LDS. Now, is this from, <laughs> from our own people or people that have left? Uh, no, you know what? The, the way I kind of took it was That's a tough uh, question. people that have never been members. So, for example, it brought me to a memory of being a missionary, and uh, we were pretty close to baptizing a couple. And the last lesson, it was, it was the sixth discussion, we go to the house and his brother was waiting for us and he was a, a staunch Baptist and he'd been over to their house for three hours already giving them the business. Right. Okay. And then he wanted to give us the business and we were there for another hour, you know, arguing. That's all he wanted to do was argue. <laughs> and. You don't um, like arguing, do you? No, not. <laughs> it, it was. It was a thrill, but um, yeah, it, the funny thing was he's asking me all these questions, right? And a lot of times we're defensive. We're like, no, well, not really. You know what I'm saying? And it was, to me, it was funny because every question he's asking me, I'm just nodding my head. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, the old yes meme, like, yeah. yeah. So the question, uh, so the, the question that kind of came to my mind, I mean, the easy one to dunk on, I think, in my opinion, is they always say, well, you can't add on to the Bible, right? They use that. Right. Word. Right. That's, I mean, you know that you're dealing with double digit IQ when they bring that up. Right. <laughs> All my idea. evangelical friends, if you bring up that verse, you're asking to get dunked on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I guess my favorite one, it, it's always kind of confused my confused me why it upset people is uh you you think that Lucifer or or uh, and Jesus are brothers. And to me I'm like yes. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know. I mean that upsets them so much and I'm like I don't understand why that upsets people so much. I mean maybe you've got some insight on that i don't know do you, do you tell them satan's their brother too how do they feel right. about that i mean it's in revelation <laughs> that they, they talk about the war in heaven in revelation right this isn't like doctrine that's completely new to be honest no right. you know for mine is you know to take it in a little bit different direction i i served my mission in brazil loved it greatest experience of my life it was fantastic brazil is outside of the vatican itself is the most catholic you know and, and italy probably is the most catholic country in the world i believe at least it was when i was there i mean there, you're talking 90 percent roughly right well it, it was so funny because you know the doctrine that that i just love talking to was was about the trinity and it it was so funny because you would first off you know very few of them know any of the actual doctrines of Catholicism. And so I would sit down and I would say, okay, so, you know, you believe that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all the exact same being. And right off the bat, half of them would say, well, that's nonsense. No, I don't. Right. <laughs> and I'd say, but you do. Right. That, that's like a tenet of Catholicism. You, you do, sir. No, that's stupid. The ones that didn't, or that did think that, I mean, it, it's so easily debunked, the baptism of Christ and Stephen, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the numerous passages in John, the intercessory prayer. Okay, who is he praying to? Right. Clearly, this is a very emotional prayer to somebody. Who is it? Is he praying to himself? You know, and, and the ones that didn't think it was nonsense at the beginning, after about 10 minutes, agreed that it was nonsense. And I, I don't know how anybody, Honestly, I don't know how anybody buys that. Well, I have so no honestly, idea. it was funny when I was just starting to learn the discussions as a new missionary, and 
discussion one, section one is God the Father, then Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, right? And you're telling them these principles that you think they're going to push back on. And honestly, in two years, I hardly ever remember anybody pushing back on that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I be right. What do you think you tell them? Oh, yeah, I believe that. I'm like, wait a second. You just said that you're an active member of the Catholic Church. That's not what they believe, right? <laughs> <laughs> but educating people on their own beliefs is always a thrill. Yeah. And well, and we kind of get upset when people do that with us, right? Um, but it, 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 it's an interesting experience. You, you think that you're going to get pushed back on that. And honestly, it just doesn't make any sense. So most people actually don't believe that. Um, anyway, so I, so it was funny. So the, the, the guy, he asked um, after all these questions, like one of the questions he asked was, um, if I don't, if I don't accept Joseph Smith to be a prophet, I can't make it to the celestial kingdom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. There's a whole bunch more you got to accept as prophets too, man. I know, right? It, it was, yeah, I was heartbroken to leave there. Um, <laughs> having. You, you taught a lot of evangelicals and Catholics where you were. Which did you prefer? Or did you have a preference? Oh, Catholics, easy. Yeah. Catholics, because most of them were inactive. Um, if they were evangelicals, you were dealing with somebody that was usually entrenched in their faith, yeah. right? Um, whether it be Seventh-day Adventist, um, whether it be Pentecostals, whether it be obviously Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, we had Which a lot Pentecostals of Pentecostals were big there? Austin yeah. Blade, uh, Assembly of God is huge in Brazil. Right. Uh, there was uh, one called Light of God. Okay. Was really, did you ever hear about them? No. We had Foursquare Church, Quadrangular, and, and Assemblea Judeos were the biggest ones where I was. Well, uh, Luz del Mundo, which was Light of God, was actually started by uh, an Exmo missionary. No kidding. Right. That's and interesting. Right. And they were, um, I can't remember their doctrines or whatnot, but I remember that they were very, if you were in their church, you knew your scriptures, right? They were, it was like, they were taught by this founder, right? Yeah. Um, out of Guadalajara um, to, to know your stuff. I mean, they, they liked to Bible bash. Interesting. Right? It was really funny. Um, but for somebody that, to leave the church and then start a Bible bashing church, it was really weird. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> but I will tell you, if, if you got an active Catholic um, my, my best, my best, um, converts were active Catholics, like, yeah. um, because they, they've got a foundation of understanding authority and, and all that. Sure. Other stuff. Um, well, they're generally very good people and people of great faith. I, I, I have a lot of respect for Catholics as, you know, the devout ones, generational right. people. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, there, we dealt with a lot of nuns and orphanages on P-Day and how oh, you couldn't. I mean, I just remember thinking to myself, these these women are going to be unbelievably good members of the church one day. You know? Well, my wife, she was a devout right. Catholic. She wasn't was an she? Yeah, my wife was devout. Um, she went every Sunday. And so um, for her, it was really, it was interesting. She had no desire to leave the church. But the minute she heard the missionary lesson, she knew it was true. Like the first wow. lesson, she knew it was true. And so. How old was she when she was baptized? 18. No kidding. My yeah. mom was baptized about that age too. Yeah. And she was living in Denver, Colorado. Um, she was studying English. And um, so she was living with her aunt and uncle. She got baptized behind her parents' pack. And uh, <laughs> her parents weren't very accepting when she came home. Um, but she continued to, it was one of the things that, you know, I noticed that, oh, when, when I met her, you know, you don't meet a lot of people that, don't have the support of their family that stay active mm -hmm. in the church and she did and so it, it, it was this it was kind of a telltale sign that she would be all right does does your wife get after your kids for taking things in the church for granted um i maybe a little bit um yeah. i it, it, a little bit of that she she really takes things seriously like she gets after me because i'm kind of lighthearted. yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> um, sure 
but I think that's because she's serious, not because she doesn't take the church for granted, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, she's a lot more serious than I am. I so, love it. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, <laughs> but my, my kids are, uh, I mean, especially my oldest, he's really um, kind of grounded spiritually, you know what I'm saying? So sure. um, we worry about all of them, um, but at the same time we're kind of we're we're really pleased with where they're at um, that's awesome and so i mean uh you've got five kids i've got five kids yeah the only difference is i didn't go five for five i went five for like five thousand two hundred and twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah call me i'm uh i'm prolific man five for five <laughs> no that's blanks <laughs> That's a running joke on social media, so uh, we'll keep that to uh, if you if you want. Anyway, well, how am I going to maintain my incel status? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I've been told I'm a 20 year old incel numerous times online. I you know. I've hey, I've been told that I'm an uh, anonymous, uh, even though my picture is on my profile. <laughs> yeah. I got, I I got called racist again today. Um, Did you? Yeah, I'm like, do you notice that my wife isn't white? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, next uh, question. Let's see. Um, how many people did I kill by going outside today? <laughs> what? Forget about that. Uh, what's your favorite way to cook a hot dog, and why is it over flaming remains of the Nauvoo Expositor? I saw that one. That's pretty funny. We, that's from At War Preacher. Um, he contributes every week. We love him. Um, what's the best uh, Jay Golden Kimball story? Can you tell a Jay Golden Kimball story without swearing? I don't think so. You'd have to have the explicit lyrics on your right. explicit warning on the podcast. If we <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, here's here's a funny thing. I, you know, Jay Golden Kimball. My my parents are are on a mission right now in Tennessee, and uh, Jay Golden Kimball once said regarding missionary work that they should just burn the entire South down and do baptisms for the dead. <laughs> and uh, talking to my dad, that sounds about about accurate. But Jay Golden Kimball, that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good. I, you know, I have an old Jay Golden Kimball book that, uh, you know, it's like best discourses of Jay Golden Kimball. I had to dig that out and send you some. Pretty good. So uh, my favorite uh, Jay Golden Kimball story, I actually thought it was a Brigham Young story. It turns out it's a Jay Golden Kimball story is uh, when he was sent down to uh, release a Relief Society president. Do you remember that? No. This? All right. So I think it was in Delta, Utah. Uh, if I remember my facts right, maybe I'm making up the whole thing and I just want to say the story. So, Is this a faith promoting rumor here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So All right. I'm always uh, down for those. Yeah. So, you know, as is can happen in Relief Society organizations, uh, this president was causing a lot of drama uh, in the women's, you know, end of the meetings. Uh, sure. It, there's never drama in Relief Society and or with women or any any such matter so he was called down there to release this relief society president that was causing problems and uh apparently he got up and he said and he said have you ever had a thorn stuck in your ass and he said well i'm here to relieve the thorn stuck in your ass will everyone please give a, th a vote of thanks <laughs> To sister, wow. so, and so. <laughs> sending a general authority to release re release a relief society president that's something. Uh, old times, right? Yeah, sure. There's a lot of a lot of that going on back in the day. That that would have been interesting times to live in, to be honest. Um, let's see. Oh, I had one from. Because he asked it twice. He really wanted it to be asked. And I actually don't know what he's talking about. Maybe you do. Um, from Zachary Thornton. Says, okay. please address the primary song 
uh, Kate Kelly recited, no one has heard of on Yahoo News. Inquiring minds want to know. I I didn't, I don't know anything. I guess it was some obscure Janice Cap Perry song. Oh, really? Referenced. Yeah, it wasn't even a real primary song. So go figure that Kate Kelly's talking out of her ass. <laughs> Pretty normal for, for her, right? All right. So. Sorry. Talking <laughs> out of her butt. This concludes the Jiggle and Kimball portion of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that woman is awful. Just, just horrible. I, I don't, don't even get it, me started, man. Isn't it funny that one of our cohorts, one of our writers on uh, TJ uh, served his mission with her? It is. That's amazing. So funny. And, and he says, you, you know, it's interesting. He says that she was normal and served a pretty good mission. And you look, it's, I have great respect for people that leave the church and leave it the hell alone. You know, I, I, I will never, if you leave the church and say, hey, it's not for me. And I can name names on Twitter. Say, hey, it's not for me, or I don't believe, or, you know, I want to bang women, I want to drink, I want to do crazy things. Fine. I get it. I have problems with people that turn and throw stones. If you're going to leave, that's fine. You have agency. You know, we'll be here when you come back. I wish you were staying. But I have a real problem with people that leave and throw stones. And if you're going to throw stones, I'm going to stand there and let him hit me and I'm going to throw him back because I'm not going to let you try and take people away with you. And Kate Kelly, in that article, it talks about her trying to recruit people away from the church. That's yeah. Satan's work, period. Yeah, that is Satan's exactly. work. Uh, Fat Mike, the, the whole, the whole, all of them, that, that's what they're in for. They're, they've gone from evangelizing. I mean, they can't stop evangelizing, right? Right, exactly. So uh, I've got one from guy uh, Rock Flag Eagle. His ad is at Fiverr MacGyver. Fiverr um, That was a good show, MacGyver. Do we pronounce it? Don't age yourself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 41, by the way. Uh, How old are you? 37. 37. Oh, you yeah. act like, well, I, I do tease my wife that we were born different generations because I was a child of the 70s and she was right. a child of the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you pronounce it progmo with the progmo or progmo, like progressive? I say prog. Me too. Progmo. Yeah. I think that's the right way. What drives or motivates you? This is from Jen Oliver at Jamber Oliver. Good question. You want to take that first? Or you want me to take it? Well, uh, actually, I was going to kind of address this. Um, because I'm 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 releasing a new pod I think tomorrow. Um, it's gonna be a missionary type of one, but also you know I want to talk about some mission stories. I want to talk about some missionary work I've done post mission. Cool. Um, I just want to make it like a a humanizing thing. You know, everyone wants to talk about all the spiritual things. I want to talk about like a lot of the cool things, the funny things. You know. Um, sure. What motivates me to do everything? Actually, I started the site. Uh, dirty little secret. I started the site because I'm not very good at journaling, right? Okay. And yeah. I want to leave something for my kids. So while while yeah, it's fun to have an audience, and and I do have an audience. Um, it it's more than anything. It's so that you know, ten years from now, my kids can kind of see what I was doing, what I was thinking, what you know. Um, learn from from my experience i like i said i'm not i don't have a journal i've never really been faithful in writing one and so all of this work that i'm doing now is kind of my way of doing that so like that's that's kind of what drives me at this point um besides you know having fun and sharing laughs and making friends sure there you go feng Wu. <laughs> sharing laughs making friends sure good friends make laugh <laughs> well, what motivates me? It's interesting because, you know, I, I'm motivated by a, a few things. And I think as I get older, um, 
you know, as I get older, the amount of things that motivates me it becomes more focused. Uh, you know, for me, I'm kind of at the age where a hundred percent of my focus is on, um, you know, raising children, having a good relationship with my wife, uh, doing a good job professionally. I can honestly say that I used to chase money was a big motivator for me. Now it's not really much of a motivator any longer. Um, I, I value time over money, uh, free time, doing things with my family. You know, I've realized that being a workaholic isn't a very noble thing at the age of, you know, 25 to 35. You know, there will always be time for me to put in a lot of hours at the office and working a lot once my kids aren't home. But right now, while my kids are young, and my kids range from seven, geez, 11 months to 16, so I've got a huge spread, I just, I, I don't want to miss things anymore with them. And uh, my motivation is 100% in raising my family and teaching my kids good values and reproducing the values that my wife and I have in the church that we're grounded in, uh, in my children. and. I, I feel like I'm doing a decent job of it so far. So that's my motivation. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to kind of end off. Uh, do you have any other comments? Uh, well, let, let me, let me finish this off. Uh, we'll, we'll finish the podcast off this way. Um, what is one scorching hot take uh, that you can release here that you haven't written on Twitter? that I haven't written on. Well, I wrote it the other day. So it technically is out on Twitter, but it wasn't an original tweet. It was a reply. I didn't retweet it. Some other people did, but here it goes. And I, I plan on still writing a piece for, and I've told you this, writing a piece for the website on it. Um, I believe that pornography is to men what feminism is to women in the church. I believe that third wave feminism and modern feminism, modern feminism is as much of a problem with women as it is pornography is for the brethren. That's my scorching hot take. And I'm fully prepared to defend that. Well, it's interesting. So this, this week on the website, we had uh, a new contributor, uh, right? Um, you've seen the old man, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Good account. So his his wife uh, wrote on the website this week about her struggles with with being a mother and how she didn't want to be a mother. She didn't want to stay at home. She didn't want to give up a career. Um, and she actually talks a little bit about um, listening to a talk in general conference and being offended, like literally, like not just offended, but hating the the uh the sister who gave it it was at wow. the, the young women's um i think she was the young women's first counselor at the time that she gave the talk and she later became the relief society general president right and it really upset <laughs> her that she got called as relief society general president because of this talk that had offended her so much um and it wasn't until she kind of saw that nothing in this life has any value right nobody remembers what you did outside of the home to be honest if if you're a woman yeah. you know uh your kids remember you your kids are your legacy right and and they carry everything that you taught them forever while you know whatever accomplishments you may have achieved at work i mean really nobody remembers that nobody i mean even for a guy I mean, who really remembers what you did at work, you know? Um, my accomplishments at work are so insignificant compared to the stuff my wife accomplishes with the kids. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple and plain. Yeah. So um, you've, you've written on the site, uh, I think, four or five times. Yeah, uh -huh. maybe two or three. I think three. Yeah. So, um, you know, we look forward to having you write a little bit more, uh, bring the heat uh I can do that. You, you bring the traffic people like you for some reason <laughs> <laughs> still trying to figure that out myself
right? But anyway, it's been a pleasure to have you on this week. We will be on next week, our regularly scheduled program, hopefully with uh, JP Bellum again. Looking forward to it. And until next time, Brigham Young did nothing wrong. I shall speak to you frankly and honestly. Some of you may not agree fully with everything I say. Thank God in this blessed land, we can still speak our convictions without fear. I have been in nations where this blessed privilege is no longer enjoyed. I am not here to tickle your ears, to entertain you. I will talk to you as one who loves this great nation. The message I bring is not a happy one, but it is the truth. And time is always on the side of truth. We have been plunging headlong down the primrose path toward the inevitable destruction of our great country. It is quite true that while the socialist-communist conspiracy of itself does not have as yet the power necessary to do the job, it is nevertheless receiving vital aid and comfort from the Fabian socialists, fellow travelers, dupes, and liberals that the communists are jubilant at the course of events. Truly, the Fabian socialists in this country are rolling out the red carpet which will without doubt eventually result in the complete communist takeover of America. This is their hope, their plan, and their bold prediction. that all those lending their support are consciously helping the Congress. Undoubtedly, there are many well-meaning people who have been misled and confused. I fear for the future when I realize that for some 30 years, our once free institutions, political, economic, educational, and social, have been drifting into the hands of those who favor the welfare state and who would centralize all power in the hands of the political apparatus in Washington. This enhancement of political power at the expense of individual rights, so often disguised as democracy, is socialism.
party in this country has attempted to infiltrate and subvert every segment of our society. Unjust criticism of the anti-communists, anti-socialists helps the conspiracy and is dangerous to our future. There is no place here in America for part-time patriots. This nation is face to face with the greatest danger ever to confront it. A sinister and deadly conspiracy which can be conquered only by an alert, informed citizen. It is indeed appalling that some members of our society continue to deplore and criticize those who stress the communist danger. Public indifference to this threat is tantamount to national suicide. Lethargy leads only to disaster. If you use the scriptures as a guide, you know what the Book of Mormon has to say regarding murderous conspiracies in the last day. I find certain elements in the church do not like to see the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants so much. It has too much to say about freedom. 